and welcome to Living My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest this week is Jim Babchak. Now, Jim is the guitarist for one of the most enduring rock bands in history, the Smithereens. Been together for well over 40 years now, and they are about to release their latest album, which is kind of deceiving because it was recorded in 1993. It's called The Lost Album. They recorded it in between record uh, deals. It's a really good album. I highly recommend it when it comes out on the 23rd. You get to hear the late, great Pat Dinizio's voice. It sounds youthful. It sounds great. Jim talks about why the album came out now. And if it was going to be a hit back in the 90s when it was originally released, we talk about the death of Pat and how the band decided to carry on with a variety of guest lead singers, including the Jim Blossoms, Robin Wilson, and Marshall Crenshaw. We talk about some of their hits, talk about their cover albums, and of course, White Castle Blues. I love the Smithereens, one of my favorite bands. They should have been so much bigger. Uh, we talk about why that wasn't the case. And I enjoyed my conversation with Jim, and I hope you do as well. So, Jim, thank you uh, so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, man. Good to see you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's talk about a little, I guess, your upcoming latest release, which isn't really so new, The Lost Album. We recorded uh, almost 30 years ago. Um, I listened to it. It's it's fantastic. Uh, what's What was the whole like story behind why it's finally coming out now? <laughs> we truly just, you know, life goes on. Uh, we were, um, we lost our record deal with Capital, right? Uh, or, or we got a call, and, and it's funny because I was sending Butch Vig was going to be yeah. our producer, right? And because uh, he produced a Christmas single for us, uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. I hear it sometimes in the supermarket <laughs> during Christmas time. <laughs> I'm like, damn that Butch Vig. Anyway, so. Um, you know, we we were working with him and, uh, you know, I was sending him my demos. We were talking on the phone. All of a sudden, uh, the call stopped coming and I knew something was up. And then the next day, Pat called me, uh, our lead singer, and, and said, well, Capital just dropped us. And I said, well, damn, you know, I'm having a house built, <laughs> the house I'm in right now. Right. And I have two young kids. They were little at the time. And I'm like, what am I going to do, man? Uh can't stop the construction yeah. on this thing <laughs> and um so uh we decided to go into this we we are the smithereens are survivors we always have been right. even in the beginning because we we were playing for five or six years before we got a record deal and dennis and i have been playing together since 1971 so that was a good um nine years before we even met Pat and then another five years before we got signed. So that's a long, that's a long, uh, it's paying your dues is what right, it yeah. is. And, and you know what? We're still paying our dues. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's a constant thing when yeah. you're a musician on our level. Right. So uh, we decided to go into the studio and start recording everything we have and see what happens. You know, we were going to put it out ourselves like we did our first yeah. two rec independent records and the result was about two albums worth of material. And then, then we got signed to RCA and we re-recorded half the album that kind of went together. The, the, the songs on the date with the Smithereens 
um, kind of flowed a certain way. The other half, which is the lost album, right. we never re-recorded. It, it's just, it's like the Titanic. It sank. You found it. It's there. Mm. And you released it. <laughs> well, a little better than the Titanic, but right. um, you know. And since Pat passed away, you know, we've been looking back at some of our archives and seeing what fans might want to hear or like. And this this one really stuck out. And there's going to be more stuff in the future uh, as, as they turn up. But this I thought this was a really good uh, time capsule of of us in 1993. Pat's voice was still youthful and. Um, you know, I, I love hearing it. So, uh, you know, imagine our fans, uh, you know, I'm hoping that they, they will love to hear this album. Yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. I, I have a daughter named Abby. So Dear Abby was was kind of a cool track. Monkey Man, you know, is, is a fun track. But had this been released in 93, just how the way the record industry was going with kind of like, you know, grunge and everything that more of like R&B stuff. Do you think this album would have like had a place in it or no? Nah, nah. <laughs> it truly would have been lost, so. right? <laughs> it would have been lost, yeah. yeah. And then it would have been a double lost album. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know, but we never followed any trends That's ever. True. That's true. Ever not not even from the beginning. Our first right. album stuck out like a sore thumb on <laughs> on the radio because you had Madonna yeah. and Michael Jackson and right. all this stuff that we were. You, you know, it's funny. On the first tour, I went into a record store to see if our record was in there, I'm looking under yeah. rock and there's nothing there. And then I go up to the counter and the kid says, Oh, that's under the alternative section. And I had never heard of alternative. Right. What the hell's alternative? Yeah. Uh, I guess it was us and REM and the replacements at that time. I don't know if there was much else. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Like you would think like alternative to rock would be like country music or like, you know, R and B it's like, just another subset of rock is alternative. So it's kind of like kind of a weird genre still, I think kind yeah. of, it fits in with rock, but it's just, it's weird how, how they just decide to call it alternative music. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I guess they had too many categories like uh corporate rock and right. uh, synthesizer yeah. rock, rockability. Yeah. I God knows what else, but right. we always thought of ourselves as a rock band, rock and roll band. Yeah. Absolutely. And there, you know, so many influences that you, you, you guys, you know, like bands, you know, refer to you as a big influences. It's kind of like funny how you did not get any bigger because you've had so many of those influences. So many people knew you, but I don't know if the right people, I, I, don't, I don't get it because you're such a call following. I love you. My friends love you. It's just, it's weird. Like how you guys shouldn't have been on the same level as REM pretty much. Yeah, I guess we didn't have the, the right management. Right. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I used to wonder about that sort of thing. And then, uh, you know, I had to let it go. I, yeah. I actually had to get a, I had, a, I had to get a day job for 19 years in a, in a corporate office. So, right. Yeah, I got lucky. One of my neighbors brought me into this company and I worked a desk job for all these years. And then I just recently got outsourced a job oh. in India. And I had to train them. Oh, that's okay. Um, I, I was going to be ready to retire from there right. anyway and just concentrate on music. So now I have a lot more time to look at archives. And yeah. um, 
and all material. So I've been working on a lot of new stuff with with Robin Wilson and with right. Marshall Kreft right. um, and Susan Cowsell. Okay. So, you know, uh, and we got the three original band members, Dennis Dyken and Mike Viserys, and um, it'll sound like the Smithereens, but mm. uh, it will have different vocalists. Yeah. And uh, I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I interviewed Robin, I think right after he did his first gig with you guys, you know, oh. 2018, I think it was. And yeah, he, you know, he was very excited. He was like a super mega fan of you guys. So we're, we're just discussing, you know, our fandom of the band. Um, how did he get in contact with you guys? And like, basically, you know, Marshall, I knew you worked with Marshall, you know, on your debut album and a couple other things. But like, how did Robin get in contact with you? Well, it, the the Marshall and and Robin both happened at the same time. We um, we did a tribute to Pat at the Count Basie Theater in New Jersey, right. and we enlisted everybody we knew that could sing uh, a song or two. Like we had BB Buell there singing "Top of the Pops." I don't know if you know who she is, um, uh, and uh, she's actually Liv, Liv Tyler's mom. Okay. Uh, familiar and and um and uh so uh uh so anyway we had peter zaremba from the flesh tones david uh um uh yeah just a a slew of people anyway at the end of the show marshall and robin both said hey this was so much fun uh if you guys ever want to do another show anytime just just give me a call so that's basically what happened and then it's snowballing into um into this you know we people still want to hear us play and we still want to play because right. we're still you know young enough yeah. to uh to do this and and travel and um it's my passion you know it's our passion yeah. all of us that uh to play our songs so that here we are it's it's the uh continuation of life yeah Absolutely. Now, how how's the crowd reaction? Because I haven't seen you guys since you know Marshall and Robin have taken over. How, how's the crowd reaction been with them? Fantastic for for both, and they're both very different uh, right. singers, but they both both bring their own thing into it, which is great. Because mm-hmm. after Pat died, we were getting a, a lot of uh, requests from people to audition, and and the first thing they would say is, "I sound just like Pat." Right. And I'm like, well. For you me, that's that. not going to work. Uh, it might work for Journey or Sticks or something like that, but yeah. but not not for us. Right. We, we don't want to be like a, a Smithereens cover band, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Now, like, how long after like Pat died did you guys decide you still wanted to continue with this, or was it like immediately? Was there, I'm sure I'm sure you guys mourn. You still are mourning him, but like, was there like a time that you thought about maybe we should end this? No, it, it, it took a while to, to yeah. regroup and, and talk about things. And, you know, Pat has a daughter also. So we want to make sure that she gets, uh, you know, royalties and right. stuff. Absolutely. And, and we're a corporation, you know, when it comes down to it. So we have bills every month, whether yeah. we play or not. Right. <laughs> Liability insurance. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, debt. You know, we have right. debt. Um, so, you know, we... It, you know we just uh it's not that's not why we're playing yeah. but it's it's you know it just makes sense yeah now there are certain songs like you guys cater you know more towards robin more towards marshall 
do they decide which songs they feel comfortable playing? How does how does that work when you guys make the set list with them? It's it's very easy. Uh, we we do the most popular songs right. with both of them, and then they get to choose about five, six, seven okay. songs of, of their favorites. Right. So the shows we do with Marshall are a little different than the ones we do with Robin. And and people are often ask, you know, why don't we do any of Marshall's songs or Ro- or Jim Blossom songs? It's because it wouldn't be fair to them. They yeah. they still have their career. Marshall still goes on his own. And, right. And Jim Blossoms are yeah. still very active. And um, they both say that uh, we're part of your band right now. So we're we're just doing Smithereen songs. Okay. Uh, that's that, that's smart. Yeah. 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 So you guys are going on tour soon. How much of a hassle is scheduling like shows with their availability? <laughs> well, we just uh we just kind of wait until yeah. they're available. available. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. I mean, it's not like you guys are like pressured into a certain dates. It's like they can perform this day, so you let the venue know you guys are available, we can do it, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty laid back. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Now I I so I'm going to go way back to the debut album, which I absolutely love. Um, you know, Blood and Rose is one of my you know all-time favorite songs of you guys. And Behind the Wall of Sleep, which you guys uh, performed on SNL, which I absolutely love. Now, how, what was that experience like? I didn't realize it at the time, but it, it was a pretty high point in our career because, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's tough to get on that show. Uh, but a lot of people worked hard to get us on that show. And I think it was between us and the Jesus and Mary chain or something like that. Okay. <laughs> a little difference. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, you know, uh, it was and, and people ask me about it and I do remember it uh, very well. It was, uh, but I keep telling people it was just another day or two days, right? Um, in 
on a tour. We were in Boston, come to rehearsal on Thursday, do the show Saturday, and then we went to Canada the next day to do a show. It was just like, um, it was a whirlwind. Right. And um, I actually ran into, uh, we just played in California two weeks ago, and uh, I'm online, you know, getting on the plane, and it's in group numbers, you know, right. one, two, three. So I'm looking for my group number and I'm looking for the end of the line. And I, I go go up to this guy and I said, is this the end of the line? And it turned out to be John Lovitz. <laughs> and I said, John, I'm yeah. Jim from the Smithereens. We were on yeah. SNL with you back in 1991. Yeah. Uh, and he says, oh, I, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I said, well, uh, he said, who was the host? And I said, Corbin Burnson from mm. L.A. Law. And he yeah. says, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that um so yeah so that was cool running into him after what 30 right. years or whatever yeah. the hell it is now i lost count yeah yeah but it was it was it was a lot of fun that yeah. was that show was great phil hartman yeah. was on the show and yeah. god i miss him because yeah, he, he was passed great. away he's so funny and yeah. uh, jingled all the way is one of my favorite things. right <laughs> uh you you have kids so you probably had that that movie that dvd oh yeah with uncle schwarzenegger of course and Hartman, the neighbor. yeah yeah and uh cool stuff. yeah exactly yeah now um how much of a pop did uh playing on snl give you guys like after oh amazing uh i think we sold a hundred thousand albums after that night just that okay. night alone so that album sold about eight hundred thousand copies at, at the time mm -hmm. You would think yeah. I'd, I'd be rich, but well, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. A lot, and, a lot of people yeah. don't realize that the videos you make for the songs are, are usually on average for us at the time was like 50,000, you know, uh, and upwards. And uh, I mm -hmm. think for that album, we did four videos or something right. like that. So yeah. And, and yeah. People, yeah, people don't realize like you guys paid pay for that, right? That comes out of your like royalties. Oh, right. yeah. So does yeah. the recording budget and right. the producer and everything, you know. So by yeah. the time the musicians get paid, we're we're the last ones to get paid. Right. And uh, but I'm not complaining. You know, no, of course. I, yeah. the 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 money we make is from touring, yeah. uh, you know, just our, our, you know, from from our traveling and hard work. Yeah. And especially now, I mean, because there's no record sales at all now, you know, let alone you know, <laughs> 30 years ago. But um. Yeah. Now, how much has the like the business changed for you guys? Has it been, you know, more positive the way, you know, technology has been like, have you I know you guys have adapted now. Has that been you know beneficial for you guys? Well, it's beneficial. Yeah, I could say that because, well, it's just necessary. Right. Uh, you know, it's not like we're going to get signed to a record label, and I don't even want to be on a record yeah. label. We're putting this out pretty much on our own. And what that means is we could do whatever the hell we want. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, towards the end of our capital reign, you know, the, 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 the people, the suits there, or whatever you want to call them, they're like, uh, we need we need a hit single that sounds like a girl like you. It's got to be radio friendly. You have to use a click track on the drums, uh, blah, blah, blah. And it's like boring. It's right. just boring. Our first album was done. You know, we recorded half that album 
before we got signed to Enigma, the, our first record label. And then uh, Don Dixon came in and we recorded six more songs. And then he uh, added stuff to the original six. So that album was totally our own. Uh, no record company involvement. And it was the same with the Green Thoughts record. Okay. Uh, it was... It was just us doing what we wanted to do. And then by the time we did Smithereens 11 and Blow Up, it became more like, uh, you know, the record company is right. in charge now. So that's the difference now. Our next album is going to be on our own terms. And, um, you know, the hell with them. Yeah. And it's so, funny. Cause, yeah. Because like when you guys are on Capitol and you have like big, you know, company behind you guys, now it's you're doing everything on your own. It was a big company, but they charged everything to us. Right. Like, um, you know, whenever they take us out to dinner or whatever, I had no idea that it was all of that stuff was being charged back to us. Or they would get a limousine for us to go to the Jay Leno show. You know, we did that twice. Conan, uh, all that stuff. And they added all these expenses to it. And you end up owing them money, right. you know. So, you know, I talked to pe other people in the music business that have sold a lot, lot of records. And they said, yeah, we hardly made anything because the record company made it all. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, there's no love lost there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when when you guys found out that, like, you know, you, you're basically paying for your videos, did that kind of change the production of the videos? Like you want to you know limit the amount you're going to pay for them? Or no? No, it was a necessary evil. Okay. It was a necessary evil. And and the shame of that whole thing is MTV, right? If if they did you, you do the video, you spend all this money on a video, and if they don't play it, nothing. That's it. You know, you just you just blew fifty thousand yeah. dollars on something that nobody's gonna see. Right. So um yeah. There's that. It, it, it's a. It was a gamble. It was a yeah. big gamble. Right. And you mentioned the girl like you. Um. It was. I heard it was supposed to be like in like Pat wrote it for the movie Say Anything.
Yes. Yeah. 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 He was uh, in touch with Cameron Crowe, and uh, uh, I think what happened was Cameron. Well, he got his Peck got the script to the movie, and a lot of the lyrics were from things that happened in the movie. Okay. So Cameron thought that uh, the the song gave away too much of the plot. Mm. So um, that was that. You okay. know. And we're like, okay, that's fine. Um, we'll just put it out on our own, yeah. you know. Right. And then the the female harmony vocals was that originally supposed to be Madonna? Pat talked about that. Our manager for a brief period uh, was she was slated to do that, and that day she just uh, said she wasn't showing up, or mm. she, we got word from our manager that right. she's not showing up, and we thought it would would have been cool because it's the total opposite of what we were you know yeah. as a so-called alternative band <laughs> right those are the air quotes <laughs> <laughs> so we, we we always try to do something a little off kilter or surprise people or shock not shock but yeah. you know just do something out of out of the ordinary and say hey wow madonna's on a new smithereen single mm-hmm. that you know that's weird yeah <laughs> but <laughs> Right. It would have been it would have been cool. Yeah. And you, you've had other like, you know, big name uh, female vocalists on there. Linda Carlisle, Suzanne Vega. So you, you actually had a lot of, uh, you know, uh, big names on your records as well. Yeah. Female. Well, I mean, Linda you know, Carlisle. Lou Reed too. But yeah, like, you have other people as well. So it's kind of cool. Well, yeah. Lou Reed, he uh, asked, asked to be on our record. He was uh, walking down the street in New York and Pat ran into him and he said, what are you up to? And he, and he said, well, we're, we're recording at the magic shop in, in, in the village. And he and Lou Reed says, well, I like to play guitar. You mind if I show up? And we're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so he ended up playing a solo on one of my songs that I wrote called Point of No Return. Right. So that was awesome. Suzanne Vega, she was she worked with Pat before they were before we were signed and before okay. Suzanne Vega was signed. So wow. they knew each other before. And. The story is Suzanne had to fire Pat because uh, Pat was making Xerox copies of our shows that we're playing in the village, <laughs> right? Like uh, on the copier at work. So yeah. uh, he got caught, and uh, and Suzanne Vega had to fire him. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Small that's... world. Yeah, right. Now I I had to mention White Castle Blues because one of my favorite uh, fast food places ever. Uh, there's none in Connecticut, so it, it really sucks. I mean, they yeah. have they have the frozen ones in the supermarket, but they're not the same. 
there's yeah there's one in i grew up in Queens, so there's one about five minutes from my house every time i go visit my mom we immediately have to go there it doesn't matter what time and you know we eat it and of course we pay for it later but we still come we still go back but you know it's it's absolutely fantastic uh so i'm sure your love affair that had to be you know written into a song <laughs> <laughs> it was part of it was a staple coming home from clubs at night right uh and uh yeah i you know many many years ago i think around 2000 i quit eating fast food but the only like all the major right. stuff but but i still get white castle once in a while yeah. and uh 
it's not like when I was a teenager though. I don't, I can't eat like 20 of them, right. you know, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of limited now to like five, <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. but, but I still, I, I, that's that taste. I just, yeah. you know, I, I acquired that taste and I, I love it. Um, so I have a good relationship with the company too. Uh, they've been very, very good to me. Uh, personally because um my my wife passed away about right. six years ago from cancer and and they uh they donated uh money the company it's a family-run business you know and um they're just wonderful people and i donated uh some money into my wife's uh my late wife's scholarship fund oh, that's great. i have a scholarship fund for in her name at rutgers university so yeah, yeah, they're yeah. they're they're great. You know, we keep in touch, and um, occasionally, if we do a show in the area where they are, yeah. they'll send over like two hundred cheeseburgers or something to give out to the crowd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. And yeah. You're, yeah, and you're like a select few of being you know inducted into the White Castle Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah every every year they induct like five five people. I think. Right. Yeah, it's not like there's no like, physical location of the Hall of Fame, right? It's like you can't go into one like White Castle location and see like a, a plaque of you know of you on the wall or anything like that, right? <laughs> no, but they do have a time in in the main headquarters that okay, that it's open to the public. Uh, they actually have a slide from the second floor that you can right. go down slide into the lobby. Oh, uh, cool. it's not not a water slide, but a regular slide. Yeah, uh, they do have a timeline there on the wall, and okay. um, you know. So yeah. yeah, it's not, but it's it's still cool, right? Yeah, yeah. I kind of wish they opened up a little, you know, a few more locations. When I was working in Midtown, they had one, I think, on Seventh uh, Avenue, and they closed that one. So I was like heartbroken. So now it's like there there are very few of those locations left. Yeah, yeah. They uh, well, yeah. I know they they built one and they did one in Arizona, which is. And and Vegas and yeah, Florida, Vegas, yeah. Which, so maybe, maybe they are spreading out a little bit, right? Yeah, I, when I was in Vegas, the line was just out the door for it. It's like, whoa, yeah. yeah. Let, let, let people who have never experienced before experience it. I can find one when I get back home. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. how? Uh, yeah. Was there ever? I know the song was featured on the soundtrack for Harold and Kumara, but it never made the movie. Was there ever a push for no. that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had I had read I, I was getting uh, billboard and variety at the time and I'm looking through it and I see that uh, they're making a movie about White Castle. And I'm like, oh, man, I got to get in touch with this mm -hmm. uh, director. So I call up some friends in L.A., an attorney out there. So I got in touch with them and he said, yeah, cool. You know, so I sent them the song. I sent them some T-shirts some hats and all kinds of stuff, some swag. And then um, I gave him time. I would call him like once a month and he'd say, oh, we're not ready. We're not doing the soundtrack yet. So it kind of broke my heart because the final time that I called him, he said, oh, we already, we already did all the, the soundtrack stuff and um, we're, we're not including yeah. it. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was I thought it was a no brainer just to at least of have course. it during credits. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was really upset. And um, then 
when uh, they were inducted, I think the director and and the actress from the movie were inducted into the White Castle, the Cravers Hall of Fame. Uh, They invited me to come to the screening of the movie. And I'm like, I'm not going. Right. You know, I'm afraid I might say something to these guys uh, or the director, rather. The actors had nothing to do with it. Right. Unless they did and they're not telling. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I... (laughs) So they, I think they, uh, they talked to them and they, they agreed to put my song on the soundtrack album, which sold about 50 copies. Yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) not like I was looking for, you know, to make a lot of money or anything, but it would have been nice to, to have it in there. So the joke I have now with everybody I talk to is that, well, the next movie that's about White Castle, I'll be a shoe in. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Right. Yeah. They already made sequels and they left White Castle. I forgot where they ended up going. Guantanamo Bay or something like that. They made other movies, but yeah, I don't think uh, another White Castle movies in the future, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there was like, after you guys got dropped um, and the time after, un- until I guess the, the Beatles cover album, was that, when, that's when you got your, your full-time job, right? During that time? Oh, I already had it by then. Yeah. I, okay. I st- yeah, I started working uh, right 2000. Okay. Yeah. Were you guys actively looking for a, a record deal then? Yeah, we did put out an album in 1999. On, right. Well, uh, God Save the Smithereens, which I think is a great record. Yeah, I love it. And um, yeah, I I hope we can get that, that back someday uh, to own it because they discontinued it and I, I don't even know if it's available so it's, it's kind of a shame but um what was the question no just like if you guys were like during that time between like god saved the smithereens and then the oh. Beatles cover out were you guys like actively looking for like a, a record deal or is, i know you guys were performing during that time but were you actively yeah. looking for a deal as well yeah 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 we were performing and and no label wanted us <laughs> none not even the smallest right. label. I'm not going to mention any names yeah. because it really pisses me off that um, you know they didn't want to want to sign us. Uh, and I'm kind of glad, you know, because uh, now we we own that stuff. We yeah. like the the Meet the Smithereens uh, and and all that the cover albums we did. We own it now because right. we, we licensed it to them. They uh, we got a the advance that we got for that was just barely enough to record it. So it, it made up for it. And, um, the E1 signed us. Well, they didn't even want an original album. They, they thought a, a cover album would sell better and it did. Yeah. So, you know, we got lucky with that one. Meet, meet the smithereens because it got a two page uh, center in the weekend section of the New York times, uh, two page article. And, and then it sort of boosted our career because uh, many people thought that we broke up or we haven't been playing. And right. we've been here all along. It's just that mm-hmm. we didn't have any any publicity at all. And New York Times is a major thing. So yeah. that album got a lot of publicity. And then we did the Tommy album. Which was great, yeah. And then finally, uh, you know, people would say, why are you doing cover records? And the, and, and the answer was, that's all that the record companies wanted. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't want an original album, but finally E1 let us do uh, an album called 2011, which was also on our own terms. And yeah. we just put the best songs we had on it at the time. 
and uh so that yeah so that's what happened then we did a christmas album yeah a live album uh so that that kept us going yeah bring back the one i love i love that from 2011 oh, i love that thanks. song yeah thanks now, yeah now w- were you guys kind of getting frustrated like just making the cover albums like that or no i wasn't because by that time I'm like, screw this. I'm yeah. I'm gonna get a job, and I'm gonna be able to pay my mortgage right. and uh, my bills and eat food. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and and I'll just do what I have to do with with the band. So, the only rough part was that was that I you know I had to get up at five thirty in the morning to go to work because yeah. my commute was an hour and a half each way. I'd get home at seven thirty at night. Yeah. So recording all those albums from two thousand on to to you know last year. Yeah. I had to do that on, and and tour. I used to tour yeah. uh, using my vacation time, and luckily oh, wow. I had I had six weeks vacation, so I okay. had enough. Right, and then most of the gigs were on the weekend. So um, recording those records, I had to take a couple of days off from work to do the basic tracks, and then I'd go in at night after work and record all my overdubs and and vocals. And I remember one time on the Christmas album. I actually, <laughs> we did Christmas Time is Here Again by the Beatles. And I'm, I'm doing the solo at the end, uh, like a fade out thing. Yeah. And I, I fell asleep while I was playing guitar. <laughs> right. And Kurt, our producer, Kurt Ryle from the Gripweeds, he's like, Jim, wake up. And I said, what? He says, uh, you're still playing guitar and you're sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, what does it sound like? <laughs> he says, it sounds great. Why'd you wake me up? (laughs) It's got this dreamy quality to it. Right. (laughs) So if you ever listen to that track, just imagine me falling asleep while I'm playing it. (laughs) Oh, wow. Now, I was going to mention that that had to be like burnout for you. Like, you know, basically just full-time job during the day, recording, you know, at night. That's And apparently it got to you. (laughs) You're falling asleep during a recording session. Yeah, I wasn't too yeah. happy with my life then, but I, but right. I, what, what I always came back to was, look, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, support, I'm supporting your family, providing, providing yeah. for my family, and and right. and uh, I always thought of the positive. Whenever I get depressed about it, I would always think, you know, it could be worse. You know, yeah. this is, this is, I'm lucky. I'm lucky to have a job, right? You know, even though I had a boss that, I mean, Christ. When we were inducted into the New Jersey Hall of Fame, yeah. uh, I had to. There was a, a press conference at the Newark Airport, which, and I worked in Jersey City, so it wasn't okay. that far. And the governor was going to be there, right? And they invited me and Dennis to come to that. And I told my boss, "Hey, I, I, I need a little extra time for lunch. I'm being inducted into the New Jersey Hall of Fame, and I'm going to meet yeah. the governor." Blah blah blah. And all she said to me was. All right, just make sure you're back within two hours. And I'm like, holy cow. Right. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> this isn't like this kind of stuff happens every day. Yeah. So that kind of stuff really pissed me off. Right. Uh, in a big way. But um, but I let it go. Yeah. Did uh, they did they know like you were like, you know, a performer and stuff like that? And were on Saturday yeah, well, Live and had records? Did they know that? No, 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 okay. no, no, none of that. By they just thought I was a musician. They didn't know okay. on what level. Right. And, and they, my boss didn't even know who Tom Petty was. 
Oh, uh, like they, they're just living in their own bubble of right. finance, you know, it was, yeah. it was a corporate bank. And uh, they, you know, we, I remember we were having lunch one time that somebody's birthday, we're in a restaurant and, and uh, refugee came on and I said to my boss, that's, that's Tom Petty. You, you're what you're hearing right now. And uh, good. That was another debacle. We, we were asked to do a tour with Tom Petty. It, it was only a two week tour. Right. And it was during a time of year where employees are not allowed to take off from work on this okay. deathbed. It's called uh, the quarter end, and it's very, very busy. And I knew that my boss would say no. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, we're going, we're going to do arenas, hockey arenas with Tom Petty. And I'm going to tell my manager and booking agent that I can't do that tour because I have to work. Mm. So I'm like, all right, I was prepared to get fired, but I went above my boss's head to my, her boss's head, right. who, who knew me a lot better okay. and sympathetic. And I, I said to him, look, I got to do this, you know? Uh, and he says, you know what, just, just go do it and I'll take care of it. And uh, so I did it. And then my, my boss was so pissed that I went over her head. Right. But I'm like, yeah, bad. It's done. It's over. Right. You know, uh, so I got through that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got through that hurdle. Yeah. But, yeah. So, I mean, good. it's like, you know, it's Tom Petty. It's, you know, probably a once in a lifetime opportunity to do. You got to do it. But they don't look at it that I know. way. They just look I know. at their annual reports and all this crap. And, yeah. and that that's when I start feeling like, all right, I have a job where I'm like, what the hell am I doing? What is this? What good is this for society? You right. know? <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. <laughs> like who are you really helping? Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm just helping this big billion dollar corporation yeah. make more money. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a shame. <laughs> but do you remember where you were the first time you heard like one of your songs on the radio? Yeah. I was on the New Jersey turnpike and it was on any W N E W New York. Yeah. I think it was, uh, not sure if it was Scott Muni, hmm. but it was like, wow, this sounds really yeah. good. Cause I'd never heard it sounded better on the radio, I guess, because of the compression. Right. right. And it was like, wow, this, I could see this people liking this yeah. because I, when, after the album was done, I, I, I didn't think it was going to be anything big. Yeah. I had no idea. Right. And it kind of snowballed after that. Cause then all the other stations around the country were, following new's lead because it was a major market and then mtv picked up the video for it and then uh, it snowballed and then we ended up touring for about 18 months on that first album because we would we went back to like certain markets like three times in the same year right and they kept adding shows so it was one of those slow build things where they kept adding shows and then and then we had to come up with a second album. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Blood and Roses, right? That was a song, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah, they always say you have your whole life, you know, to record your first album in what, like six months through your second, right? <laughs> uh, well, less than that. Well, yeah. Green Thoughts was took about we rehearsed. Pat worked on the lyrics and everything. We worked on the music for about two weeks, and then we went into the studio. And um, I think it only took two weeks to record. Okay, it was all very fast, right? But. A lot of that stuff was still in our head in the back burner. I mean, I remember working on the riff to Only a Memory when we were on the tour for the first album, and we were in Spain, in Madrid. And I remember at Soundcheck going, hey, let's let's play this riff, see what it sounds like. And, uh, and, it, and, and it went from there. So some of that stuff we were working on already on the road. Right, okay. Music, musically, anyway, because yeah. Pat, you know, doing the lyrics. Right. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, and then I had a song called "Especially for You," which right was also written on the first tour. It was uh, I, I showed it to Pat and I said, "Look, this is like a, this is like a bossa nova, you know, or no, a waltz mm-hmm. rather." And uh, I remember we were in Florida and uh, just playing it over and over again for like uh, hours. And um, so I came up with the music for that. We thought it'd be funny if we wrote a song called especially for you because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just to confuse people right <laughs> so that's why yeah. i ended up on the second album okay yeah that's funny yeah. yeah yeah well what's the process like for you guys to like actually make a song like did you write the lyrics you just did the music pat did the lyrics it's always different right. uh 
but but mainly i think the, the way i like working is to come up with a melody and a hook uh and, and the music before like with, with a song called cut flowers i gave pat a demo of it i recorded it on this four track uh home recorder i put um everything on there the music uh and the melody with some um scratch lyrics or placement lyrics if right. you want to call it and on that one he wrote all the lyrics himself and uh to to my melody and it came out wonderfully uh sometimes i write the lyrics first uh like the song love is gone and uh now and then mm -hmm. but um yeah so uh it Usually I like to come up with the music first and that's what I'm doing with Robin Wilson and Marshall. I'm giving them demos uh, with, well, actually some of them have complete verse, at, le at least mm -hmm. one verse and, and the chorus. Right. You know, and then um, since they're going to sing it, I'm going to let them uh, also add some lyrics to it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Any idea when that's going to come out or not? Well, I've been working on it since COVID, and we even the whole band has rehearsed with Robin at my house okay. on, on about six songs. We just have to figure out logistics, time, and uh, I don't want to rush it because I, right. I want it to be really great. Yeah. And that's the beauty about working on your own. You don't have to rush it. Yeah. Deadline, so which is good. Yeah. <laughs> the only problem with that is now I, I have about two albums worth of songs. So. Right. <laughs> So what do you do? Do you pick the best ones or do you save some of the good ones yeah. for the next one? Or the other thing is, I don't know what's good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I have no idea. I didn't think yeah. Blood and Roses was going to be a hit song. I, you know, uh, same with anything. Uh, you know, you write every song that you write. You think it's going to be right. Right. I think is great. Yeah. And then uh, it's up to the public, really. Right. Like you, you said about 2011, uh, uh, bring back the one I love. Yes. Yeah, uh, you know, a couple of people have mentioned that, like, that's like a, a really good song. And I'm glad you like that one, because uh, that's a song that I didn't think anybody would pick up hmm. on.
that's good. No, thank you. Yeah, no, it's like, you know, it's, I, I haven't heard the album in a while. I have to go back and listen to it. But every time I would listen to it, I'd kind of like play that and repeat for a few times because, you know, it's it stuck with me. And it's, you know, it's good. Now, you said you had like two albums worth of songs. I know now the trend is kind of releasing like a single, like on your website or like YouTube, like, like each month or something like that. I know a lot of bands and artists do that something you would do or you're just like you're strictly we're gonna do a whole album yeah i don't like that idea but okay. it would actually be up to the guys in the band and the right. whatever they're I, I don't know i don't i wouldn't like doing that yeah matter of fact i have i have two albums of my solo stuff that uh, did you hear my did you ever hear my first solo record yes i did okay i got two more okay they're finished they're finished and people ask me how come you haven't released it and I, i'm like well I've had a day job for like 19 years and I just yeah. haven't had time to put it out or figure out how to pay for it or what. So, you know, look for that in the future too, because oh. it, it's just sitting there <laughs> <You know? laughs> right? Stuff that nobody's heard. And um, yeah. So uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. But uh lost album comes out 23rd. Uh, it's great. I absolutely love it. Hope everyone else listened to it and really enjoys it. Uh, Jim, this was fantastic. I hope to see you in, you know, in the flesh and blood, so, you know, real soon. Connecticut, right? Connecticut, yeah. I I saw you in Connecticut a couple of times. Was it the Norwalk, I think, Oyster Festival once, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. And then and then way back when in Buffalo, when I when I was in college, like in the nineties. So. Really? Yeah. Was it an outdoor show? In no it wasn't it was I forgot what theater it was it it's since closed but it was before you guys did like the outdoor shows it was like 95 i think in buffalo when I, when yeah I, every time i went there go there I, I i always have to stop at the anchor bar oh okay i'm a i, I like duff's the other other big place there for wings oh okay yeah so next time you go there try 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 duff's yeah all right but yeah thanks again i really appreciate this thank you And a special thanks to Jim for joining me today. Go check out The Lost Album when it comes out next Friday, the 23rd. Like I said before, it's really good. If you want to follow them on social media, you can check them out on Facebook, Twitter. They haven't done anything on Twitter for over a decade now, so I won't give you that. Uh, Their website is officialsmithereens.com. You can check out Jim's website, jimbatchak.com. If you have a guest suggestion, you can hit me up on Twitter at the first Nolan 19 or like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. You can go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate me the show. Don't have iTunes? Not a problem. Show can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, Beastly, wherever you can find a podcast. A new episode comes up every week. We have a great episode coming next week, and we'll see you then. <laughs>